today I want to minister to you about something that uh, none of us really give a whole lot of thought to uh, until we need it. Uh, you know, I've always been a car fanatic. Uh, anything with a motor on it, I like it. You know, uh, I, Sarah and I drove Gertrude. Some of y'all saw, saw Gertrude. We're going up after church. They're having a uh, uh, memorial car uh, car show uh, for a fellow that lo- that suddenly passed away during one. In fact, he was here when we had our cruise in a few months ago. And uh, so we're going up to Princeton following service to show our respects and honor in, in, in memory of that person. But I've, I've had a lot of vehicles through the years. In fact, uh, for a number of years, uh, you know, I had an independent dealer's license and, and uh, I had a small shop and, and I bought and sold cars. And, and sometimes I miss that even though it's been now 15, almost 16 years since I... Uh, went out of business per se. Uh, I miss not being able to go to sales and buy me a convertible in the summertime and buy me a four-wheel drive in the wintertime and, uh, you know, and then somebody come along and want it worse than I do, than I did and sell it to them. I, I miss that sometimes. Uh, I, over the years I've had plain Jane rides. I've had Kias. You know, Kias are not so plain anymore. But I, I, in the early years, Kias and Hyundais, Hyundais, the Korean car. I've had some of those. That I, I, I've had them where, and, and you older ones know what I'm talking about. I've had them where I, uh, you had to, if you wanted the windows to go up and down, you had to reach over and grab a handle on the door and you had to do this. Because there wasn't a button there to push. I've had them. I've had them where the the steering wheel didn't go up and down and all around. I've owned those. You I have owned them where they did not have air conditioning. I've actually owned them when they didn't have heat. They were called Volkswagens in the early years. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I can remember driving back from Roanoke with my brother-in-law one time in a in an early '70s Super Beetle. We, he and I had been Christmas shopping for our wives, and and, and it, it was foggy and it was really cold, and the fog was freezing on the windshield. And I'm we're riding up Christiansburg Mountain on I-81, and I'm hanging out the window with an ice scraper, scraping the ice off the Volkswagen windshield while we travel. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, you know, through those, that, through having the dealer's license, I've owned a few Lincolns, even though they are a Ford product. You know, you do what you do. You know, some Mercury, some really, really nice looks. I had, man, I had one Lincoln. That thing was black. It was a Lincoln town car. It was black with chrome wheels on it, red leather, dark red leather interior. It had air ride. You know, it would raise up and it would go down and it would do all this. It had the moonroof in it and, and everything else but and digital readout on the dash. And every once in a while, that thing would go crazy. I sold it three or four times. Everybody brought it back. I eventually just took it to a sale and got rid of it. It was a Ford. What can I say? Lincoln's, Mercury's. I owned a, when I met Sarah, I had a Cadillac, believe it or not. Carrie Hellman Dollar, he's not here. Carrie has nothing on me. I had a Cadillac. 
And I would go and I'd pick Sarah up in that big sedan deville Cadillac and I'd even open the door for her to get in. You know, so I, I've had a lot of different vehicles through life, some very plain, other luxurious ride. Uh, uh, you know, the, and, and I have to say, the automatic headlight dimmers, the heated seats, the heated stern wheels, the remote starts, the roof, moon roofs, uh, uh, the backup cameras, and, and all of that stuff, all of that is great and wonderful. But the one thing that we don't really think much about when we have our automobiles is something that's very important. It doesn't have all of the frills and thrills of and all of the bells and whistles, but it's the spare tire. The spare tire is all so important, but we really don't think about it until a blowout occurs. Or we walk outside and the tire is just simply flat. Have you ever noticed this about a flat tire that it only gets flat on one side? No, just to make you think about it. Well, we don't really think about our spire tire too much or if you're more modern like Now, in my little ugly cubicle car that now has 301,500 miles on it, my TPM light, that's your tire pressure monitor, my TPM burns all the time because I got tired of spending $35 to put a new one in every time I got tires put on that car. But we don't think about the spire tire too much until we need it. In fact, the, the spire tire with most vehicles is out of sight and out of mind. There's some of you sitting in this room, some of you watching live this morning. You don't even know where the spire tire is at on your vehicle. My sister bought a vehicle and so a few years later when she went to put tires on it, she didn't even realize that her new vehicle, her new Toyota, didn't even have a spare tire. It had run flat tires on it that were $275 a piece to replace them. Some of you don't know where the spire tire is on your car. In fact, one third of the vehicles manufactured to, since 2017 don't have spire tires. Even if they don't have run flat tires, it's an option. You have to, you know, you used to have to play optional for radio and air conditioning. Many times now you have to play optional just to get a spire tire with your car. We don't think too much about that, do we? Many of you listening to this message right now uh, will find out if you discovered where your spare tire is at. If you needed your spare tire and you discover where it's at, according to the car coach report, the odds are 74 to 1 that that spare tire, when you find it, is going to be at least half flat, if not worse, when you go to put it on. So what good is a spire tire if it's flat when you go to put it on? Anybody ever had that happen to you? I have. Because I don't ever check mine. You see, the problem is we don't think about it until we need it. We just assume that it's there 
and it's in working order. When all the time, it may not even be there. And if it is there, it, we don't know where it's at. And when we figure out where it's at, the, the probability is that it's not going to be usable when we get to it. Furthermore, and I realize that I am in West Virginia when I say this. Furthermore, if you find that temporary spare in your car, that says do not exceed 50 miles per hour and you have to put it on your car, that does not mean that you drive from here to Myrtle Beach on that tire. And you pass me in the tunnel going 70 mile an hour on down I-77 and your car is sitting all cockeyed because you've got that little bicycle spare tire and you're not supposed to be going over 50 miles an hour. That is known as a temporary spare. You see, the spare tire in your car is not meant to be a permanent fix, but only a temporary solution to get you some place to fix the one that is supposed to be on your car. So, when we begin to think about the spare tire, it's just a temporary fix. I was reading a, a blog by uh, Anissa Rowe, which is a blogger, and she, she wrote a, a statement in a blog that was published in the Grand Canyon University. She said... Grace is quite possibly the most beautiful, but also the most abused gift that Jesus has given to us. She went on to say, if it is not enough that this innocent man was beaten, murdered inhumanely for all of humanity, but those already deceased, still living and still to come by exchanging his blood for this grace, we often only use it as an excuse to do the opposite of God's expectations. My point is this morning is just like the, the spare. We only think of the spare when we need it. We really don't even know where it's at sometimes. And when we get, when we do locate it in the point of need, then oftentimes it's not suitable to be used because it has leaked down or went flat. So it really is not of much assistance to us. And it's just there for temporary purposes anyway. Sometimes if you and I are not guarded, if we do not guard our hearts, if we do not guard our minds, if we do not guard, our walk with God, we will use grace as nothing more than a spare tire. You see, we'll find that, that it's in that moment of desperation, just like the spare tire. When we have a blowout, we can run and grab hold of the spare tire. We pull it out from under our truck or we dig it out of the trunk or if it's like my little cubicle car, it's under the back floorboard and, and you take up the floorboard and shazam, there it is. But but I don't go and dig it out very often. In fact, I don't know that I've ever had it out in 300,000 miles. Yes, I did one time. We hit a West Virginia pothole up in Athens and it took one of mine out. I had to dig it out. 
But the reality of it is, oftentimes, we are just doing life, going along, unexpecting, not anticipating a blowout, and we don't give God much thought until the blowout occurs. And when the blowout occurs, then we want to run and grab the spare tire. Now stay with me just a minute. So we find ourselves only really seeking God as needed. We only, let me say that again because it echoed. We find ourselves only really seeking God as needed. Now hold on, this message is going to get better, okay? When crisis comes, we begin to look for Him. We dig through the trunk. We, 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 we crawl under the truck, so to speak. When catastrophe occurs, we call on Him. Here's the fortunate thing. The fortunate thing for us is when I read Scripture, when I read Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 9, I find that the Scripture, scripture tells me, and it tells you as well, if we will seek Him, we will find Him. I do, I'm not playing down grace. I'm not diminishing His grace and His mercy by any means this morning. But I do want to raise, and I hope that I have raised your awareness, that sometimes, sometimes grace is maybe the most abused attribute of God. Sometimes we only need His amazing grace when the circumstances of our life get far, far reaching, far extended, and then we look for that amazing grace. Thank God if we Seek Him, we shall find Him. Thank God, He said in Matthew chapter 7, that if we knock, it shall be opened. Thank God for that. I, I, I appreciate that. But I'm of the notion that God's desire is to be much more than a spare tire to every single one of us. More than just some source that we look for when life has gone flat even if it's just flat on one side. In fact, I believe that God wants to have charge of our lives. We talked about this uh, either last Sunday morning in life group or... Uh, by the way, life groups, you come be a part of a life group at, at 9.45 some Sunday. I think you'll be blessed. But whether it was life group or Wednesday night, we talked about how that that we... You know, we call, we call when we refer to Jesus as being the Lord, or He is Lord. Remember that old course? All of us Pentecostals used to sing, He is Lord. He has risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Understand what Lord means is that He has full charge and full command of our life. Being Lord of our life means that we have, we have allowed Him to take the reins. But being Lord means that He is in full control. He doesn't have just visitation rights on the weekend, but He is our Daddy every single day of the week, every single moment of the week, every single hour of the day. He desires to be our God and He desires us to be His people. He wants to walk with us in the cool of the day and be in communion with us. He 
He wants to walk with us and talk with us. He wants to be in the garden with us. His desire is to be God of the all well day and God of the all hell day. He wants to be Lord of our lives regardless of how our day is going. And will you let Him do that if you're not already? That's my challenge to you right now. When I read the epistle of James, I find that James wrote this. He said, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without a reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Understand that God is jealous over you. God is jealous. We, we sing that song. I started that. I, I know it's been a busy week for the Browning family with, with the loss they experienced. So I didn't bother Pam. I started and we just sang it the other Sunday too. But, but that one song, that Crowder song we sing, How He Loves, it says, He is jealous for me. He is jealous for me. That doesn't mean, that is not, that is not a, a dark jealousy. But God is jealous for you. He wants all of your attention. He, again, He doesn't just want weekend visitation rights. He just, He doesn't want partial custody of His children. But He wants everything. He wants all there is to, about you and me. He wants all that we have to give. And He wants all of our lives. Not that He may control us. But in order that he may bless us. See, he is jealous for us. He don't want, he does not want us distributing our affection that is rightfully due to him to another. But oftentimes, how, how often in fact does, does, does God, is he robbed of our affections because our affections become engulfed in other things and other places and other situations. So he's calling us. To submit ourselves to God. When we submit ourselves to God, then God begins to come more than just a spare tire. I took this thing off of my, my, my trailer the other, uh, last night and, and I washed it up a little bit so it wouldn't be so awful dirty. But, but I, this tire has never been, never rolled, rolled one single mile. Not even one foot has it rolled down the pavement because I haven't needed it. I, when I, when I get it back home, I'm going to mount it back on my trailer because if I have an emergency then I will need it but listen to me that is good it's smart thinking not that I'm that smart but it's just it's just some good common sense thinking to have a good spare tire around but understand this God's grace God's grace his all-sufficient grace is not for us to use as convenience would allow he wants us to inherit his grace every Single day. Back in 2005. Any of y'all remember 2005? I had some kid here uh, a while back, a few months ago. I said, said, said I had some kid. Some I shouldn't call him kid. Kid's a baby goat. Uh, I now I, I had a young man that uh, said something. I, I don't even remember the exact conversation. He said, "Man, he said my parents was born way back in the 1900s." 
Hello? That's me. Way back in the 1900s. You know, back, back, you know, back in the days when they had to crank the windows up and every car didn't have air conditioning in it. You know, I, I loved it. We had a 62 Chevrolet when I, well, we had a 54 Chevrolet. First car I remember daddy having and a 62 Chevrolet. And we didn't have seat belts in those cars and they had on big, big metal dash. The dashboard was metal in it. You don't figure it out. Mama's gonna throw on the brakes. You grab that thing. You ride around like this cause you don't want to face plant that metal dash, man. You don't leave teeth marks in a metal dash, okay? I gotta get back on course. Back in 2005, there was a 22-year-old girl from Muskegee, uh, Oklahoma, that she made her way to the final round of the TV show American Idol. It was only the fourth season of American Idol, and it was it's still popular, I guess, in so many ways. But it was probably more popular back then. After winning the fame competition. This young lady was awarded a recording contract. It produced a very successful first album. That album yielded several hits. But the most renowned of these songs was that song that was the story of a young mother. And it was a young mother that was apparently stressed out on life. She's driving home from wherever, I would assume probably in the northern region of the country. She's driving home for Christmas and she finds, she suddenly finds herself encountering black ice. On that black ice on the roadway, her car begins to skid uncontrollably. It's out of control. She knows not what to do and she begins to cry, Jesus Take the wheel. The car comes to a stop and this petrified mother looks over at her sleeping baby and she realizes that it's just not the steering wheel of the car that Jesus wants, but it's rather her entire life. By now you realize I'm probably speaking of Carrie Underwood and I'm, I'm, I'm not really a Carrie Underwood fan. I really wasn't a great fan, necessarily a great fan of the song itself, Jesus Take the Wheel. But but it's very fitting this morning because even though it was released as a country song, it has relevance to everyday life. And that song crossed every genre of music that known to us and did well. It won uh, it won Carrie, Miss Carrie Underwood at 22 years old. It won her a Grammy Award. But that song said, Jesus Take the Wheel. And, and here's the thing about the spire tire. The spire tire is is there for emergencies. The spire tire we don't even really give thought of. But there's one thing that I do think about whether I'm getting in. See, you brought me a Ford part and it fell apart. Y'all see, it's got Ford right there on it. All right, we put it back together. Duct tape it. It's Ford. It's Okay. Here's the thing about it. This is one, this is one part of our car that we're very conscientious of. There's not a person in this room that will get in your vehicle and drive, take off down the road in it without one of these. I hope yours doesn't have Ford on it. We'll pray for your deliverance. Somebody said, well, that's a Ford sitting out there that you drove this morning, preacher, but it's got a Chevrolet motor in it. We, we, we think about this. This is a necessity in life 
for us as we journey and as we travel. We celebrate, uh, while we can celebrate victories over near misses and consequences, what could have happened and what, what didn't happen, there's, there's a lesson in, an age old lesson, as old as that humanity itself, that we can learn. As long as we, as long as we are, have a steering wheel in front of us, there is the opportunity for us to be in control. Now, my wife doesn't get to drive very much when she rides with me. Amen, Sister Taylor? Because I don't let her drive. She scareth me in the King James. She driveth faster than me in the King James wording. I like driving because I know that I'm in control. Ron Fredericks, if he if you if he is watching this or he watches it later, I he does I wish he would just offer to let me drive. I would drive him anywhere he wants to go. Because Ron is wild as a buck when it comes to driving. But this this speaks of being in control for us when we're in our vehicle. Now sometimes Although God wants to be in control of our life, what happens to us is we tend to want to share the wheel with Him. Now, every once in a while, and I know I know none of you all do this. Every once in a while, if I if I'm doing something on my phone, or it, it, we'll have to edit that out, Jonathan. If I'm driving and every once in a while I have to do something on my phone or or if I've got got, have something I've got to tend to, Miss Sarah will reach across the car and I'll say, here, you drive while I do this. So I work the pedals and she does the steering while we're going down the road. Now I know none of y'all never do anything like that, you know. So, uh, so any, but anyway, here, but here is my point. That doesn't sound too safe, does it? It doesn't really sound like we're in control of the circumstance and the situation. Here is my point to you this morning is when we have control of the wheel, Jesus does it. When Sarah has the control of the wheel in our car, even though I'm pushing the pedals and I'm sitting in the right seat, when she has control of the wheel, she's in control of the car and not the driver. Understand, Jesus wants to be the driving source of your life and of my life. Whenever we have hold of the wheel and we are not allowing Him to be the driving force of our He can't, listen, we can't share the steering wheel with Jesus. There's been some that have tried it before. I want to give you a little scripture illustration here of one. It's Joshua. Joshua had just, they had just won a phenomenal battle at Jericho. You all have heard about that. You all know about that, I think. You know, seven times they march around the walls and then the walk for seven days and the walls come tumbling down. Now Joshua, he, he's with, they're getting ready to go into another city. It's called Ai. A-I, Ai. So when they returned to Joshua, the spies said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it and do not worry the whole army for only a few people live there. Man, we just defeated Jericho. We just saw walls fall flat. So about 3,000 of Joshua's men went up. They were routed by the men of Ai and who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of people melted in fear and they became like water. 
Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until the evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Joshua prayed. He said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan, his people, to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the people of the country. They're going to hear about this. They're going to surround us. And they're going to wipe our name out from off the face of the earth. He said, what? And Joshua says, what then will you do for your own great name, Lord? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. You see, what happened? Israel took charge of the wheel. God had been in charge of the wheel at Jericho. But now at I, Israel had took charge of the wheel. Israel sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken of uh, some of the devoted things they have stolen, they have lied, they have put them in their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have made liable to, been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. You see, what happened is Israel, Israel begin to put their hands on the wheel. In fact, they took the wheel away from God. Do you know sometimes you and I do that? Sometimes you and I, we get patient, impatient waiting on God and, and we will uh, and we will grab hold of the wheel and, and we will begin to wrestle the wheel. And let me tell you something. Two people can't drive one car. Now, I can remember back when, uh, when when I was a teenager, and in fact, one thing I like about this old car we drove today, that thing has a bench seat in it. Can somebody, y'all remember bench seats? Most of these new cars has got, you know, they got center consoles and bucket seats. Let me tell you something, you young people, you didn't know what courting and romance was until you had a car with a bench seat. We drive, me and Sarah drive down the road in Gertrude out there, and we look like a two-headed person because we just all sitting right up close to one another. Because we're still young at heart, and we're still courting after, uh, how many years? Fifteen years, we're still courting. And, and, and here's the thing about it. That bench seat, man, you could snuggle right up beside each other and drive down the road and, and be in courtship. And I like still being in courtship with my wife. But here's the thing about it. It may look like we were one person, but there was only there was really only one person in charge of the car. And here's the thing about our lives is Jesus is not interested in sharing the steering wheel with you. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be in control. He doesn't want to be a spare tire that you jack the car up and you try to look for it and when you find it it's half flat because our relationship with Him hasn't been maintained and it's not His part but we find ourselves in half flattened relationships. Listen, one driver is is always better than in two. The hands of one driver will disallow what the other hand is trying to do. Joshua took the wheel and when he did, God lifted 
the hands. Abraham and Sarah tried to take a charge and sit waiting on Isaac. And they ended up with a Ishmael. And then we see Aaron got, he tried to take the charge and sit waiting on tablets from the mountain. They ended up with a golden calf. An impatient son took his inheritance and ended up eating in a hog lot. Listen, when our hands are on the wheel, his hands are off. And you need to let him have his hands on the wheel of your life. So allow Jesus to take the wheel. Allow Jesus to take the wheel. And allow Him to maintain the driver's seat of your life. In all the wisdom of Solomon, Solomon said, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Can I read that to you again? I want you, if you have your Bibles, if you have a paper clip or a sticky note or something, fold, even fold over it. Listen, your, your Bible needs to look used. Fold over the page in your Bible. Mark this proverb. My son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You see, God is calling us to draw close to Him. God is calling us to allow Him to drive. He wants to be in charge of our life. He's not interested in being a spare tire. He, he wants to be Lord. And in order to be Lord, He has to be Lord of all. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding. You see, when we lean to our understanding, then we have taken charge of the wheel. When we lean to our understanding, we're taking control of the circumstance and the situations. And it doesn't mean that we're void of understanding. It doesn't mean that we're void of logic. It, nothing like that. But listen, our logic does not compare to the logic of God. Our wisdom does not compare to the wisdom of God. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, all Oh, Brother Henry Grubb used to come to church when I was a, a younger man, a teenager, and he wore white bibbed overalls every week to service. And poor Brother Grubb, he, he was about as tall as me, and, and he was well up in years and that. And he, uh, Brother Grubb had a little bit of a speech impediment, and, and he, Brother Grubb would go, Bless him, Lord! Bless him, Lord! When the preacher would preach. But when you come to that word, all, Oh, Brother Grubb, he would jump up. He'd say, oh, A-double-L. In all your ways, submit to Him. And He will make your paths straight. 
Which tells me that in your path and my path, if we're holding on to the wheel, we're on a crooked mountain road. We've got switchbacks, we got curves, we got maximum safe speed signs all over the place trying to slow us down. We've got caution, no, no GPS routing not advised. There's a, when we're in control, we're traveling some dangerous roads. But when we let God be in control of our life, He said, I'll straighten your path. I'll straighten your road out. I'll make a way for you where there is no way. And he went on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. There's a good tithing message. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's what happens when you allow God to take charge. That's what happens. That's what happens when Jesus takes the wheel. Otherwise, every time an emergency comes, every nail that you run over in the road, Every time that your tire gets dry rotted and you have a blowout. Every time you walk out the door and life has gone flat on you and that tire is flat. You find yourself digging around looking for a spare. Hoping that you've got a spare. If I can only find it. If I can get somebody to show me how to change my spare. And, and, and then you get it changed and then, and then it's, it's, it's not even up to par. Listen. As long, as long as we perceive God as a spare tire, we will never inherit everything that He has for us. As long as we uh, uh, look at God and we we have a relationship with God that we... And listen, it's in times of trouble, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't come to Him when you're in trouble. Come to Him when you're in trouble. But make up your mind, He is just not going to be an emergency pull on a fire alarm. He's not going to be a spare tire. He's not going to be a fire extinguisher. How many of y'all use the fire extinguisher around your house lately? Think about it. You don't use it and... Unless you need it. That's not what God wants to be in our lives. That's not who He is. That's not what He chooses to be. He wants to be in the driver's seat. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be Lord of our lives. And 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 as long as He's the spare, we'll never walk in the fullness that He has for us. Oh man. But if you put Him in the driver's seat, if you put Him in the driver's seat, He said, I'll make a way straight. He said, I'll bless you. But even when you find a hump or a bump in the road, if he's in the driver's seat, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, I, I love flying. I don't fly myself. I'm not a pilot by any means. I'm too chicken for that. But we, Sarah and I love flying. You know what? I get on that, I, we jump on that airplane, whether it's a big one or a small one. We get on that airplane, and I'm very confident that that person, whether it's a he or a she, the person that's setting up in that cockpit, they won't let you see them, they keep that door locked, you know. 
But that person that's sitting up there in that cockpit that's got that big that got that big handlebar steering wheel and all those big gauges and them levers in front of them. And I don't know if they know what all that stuff means or not. I'm assuming they do. But I'm confident that person's going to get me off the ground, get me up in the air, keep me in the air, and then bring me back on the ground wherever I need to go. If I can have that much confidence in a man, then why can't I have that much confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? Every once in a while you'll be flying along. Every once in a while you'll be flying along, and that, and one of those one of those flight attendants they'll come on the the intercom and they'll say, "We're ladies and gentlemen, we're turning the seatbelt back on for just a few moments. We're about to hit some turbulence, but the pilot he's about to give us he's about to take on some altitude to get above the turbulence, or she'll say he's about to go below, drop altitude to go below the turbulence. Listen, that man or that woman that's in charge of flying that airplane, they know." what to do when turbulence comes. I want you to know this. The Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, He knows exactly what to do when turbulence is coming in our lives. But we got to let Him have the wheel. We've got to let Him be in charge of our life. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to go through life digging around in the trunk looking for a spare. Corey Chin Boone asked the same question. She asked it about prayer. She says, Corey Chin Boone said, Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? But I'm just asking you that about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, is it more about a spare tire? I'm looking for help because I'm in trouble. Well, you've come to the right place. I'm not trying to discourage you. You've come to the right place. But understand this. God wants to be more than the spare tire to you. He wants to be the steering wheel. He wants to be in charge of your going and your coming, your saying and your doing, and everything there is in your life. And until you submit to Him, He's only going to be your spare tire. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this room with me right now. Regardless whether you're in this room and you're a born-again believer or if you've never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, this could apply to you, this message. There are people who are, who are saved, who are saved, but they're not walking in obedience. There's people who are saved, but they've not fully committed. They've not given God their everything. If you've never established that relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ in the plan of salvation, then you're just living and walking and breathing in prevenient grace. And I will tell you something about that a little later if I don't forget. But if you're in this room this morning without embarrassing you, I'm not going to come back and get you. I'm not going to call you out. But I just need to know this. If you're in this room this morning and you've never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never surrendered yourself in salvation to the Lord, I want you to just raise your hand up real quickly for me. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's watching. Just real quickly. Slip your hand up.
I'm assuming by the lack of response, everybody in this room is in right relationship with the Lord Jesus. I can't tell you that you are or you aren't. Only you know that. But I want to ask you another question. You're in this room. You feel like you've saved, you're saved. You've asked the Lord Jesus to, to save your soul. But you're not letting Him drive. You're not letting Him drive the circumstances of your life. You're not letting Him drive the circumstances on your job. You're not letting Him drive the circumstances of your family. You're not letting Him drive the circumstances of your finance. You're not letting Him drive. You're just wanting Him to share the wheel with you. You're just wanting Him to be the spire tire when everything goes flat. And I know that may sound a little embarrassing, but we've all been there. We've all been there. We've done that. Most of us has got the t-shirt to prove it, but we just never wear it. But if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I believe I'm saved, but I'm not allowing Jesus to be in control. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right now. No embarrassment. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. Number of hands going up all over this room. Are there any others? I want you all to look at me. To every person that raised your hand in this room. And to those that didn't, but you felt like you needed to. We're going to come to prayer here in just a moment. And that's a good starting place. Is to come to prayer. And do I believe in the instantaneous results of prayer? Yes, I do. But I believe we also grow in that faith that we release. And this morning, it's more, it has to be more than just coming up and praying a prayer. This morning, it's going to mean that you're going to take action in your life. You're going to take action, not only this morning as you come to prayer, but you're going to take action later this afternoon. When, when, pardon me, but you're going to, for saying it this way, but you're going to take action later on this afternoon when all hell breaks loose in your life. You're going to take action tomorrow when everything goes south on your job or wherever you may be. You're going to take action on Tuesday. You're going to let say, okay, God, you're in control. I gave you the wheel. You do the driving because I'm going to wreck us. I'm going to crash us. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm on black ice. I'm totally out of control. So as we come, prepare ourselves to come for prayer, I want you to also consider making an Making an, an investment, making a commitment that God is going to go more than this fleeting moment in this worship service this morning. If you raised your hand, you didn't raise your hand. Just for the ease of those that slipped your hand up, I don't ask everybody that can and will. If you'll come up here and let's gather together for a, for a, for a time of corporate prayer this morning. And we're going to let Jesus take the wheel. We're going to let Him take the wheel. We're going to give it to Him. There's been a time or two, my little wife would, I have, that I have rode with her, driving, and she'd say, she'd say, well, why don't you just drive? And that's all I'm wanting to hear. I love this woman. That's all I want to hear is to say, well, why don't you just drive? You know what? That's all Jesus is saying to you. That's all He's wanting you to say this morning. 
All she wants you to say is, Jesus, why don't you just drive? That's all Joshua had to say. If you read that story, you'll find out that Joshua went back under the direction of the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration of God, and Joshua went back to Ai and he won that battle. But Jesus had to have the wheel. So right now, right where you're at, I want you to pray. And I want you to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for hanging on to the wheel. Either you were in full control or maybe you were just sharing it with him. But say, God, I want you to be in full charge. I want you to drive. Can I, let me tell you one more thing real quick. Back when, in the days when I ran my body shop, I had this woman. She had a, she had a Oldsmobile Cutlass station wagon. Bless this lady's heart. She's gone on to be with the Lord. She was a wonderful Christian lady. Prayer warrior. But she couldn't drive very well. I repaired, I, I repaired her car from accident. I did accident repair on her car numerous times. And those old Oldsmobiles was about like in the late 70s had big chrome bumpers on it. And she had a sticker on the back of that car, Larry, and said, God is my co-pilot. Old boy that worked for me in my shop, he was pretty good body man. He worked for me. He wasn't a Christian. And about the third or fourth time that she brought that station wagon back for us to fix the accident damage on it, he said, no, it didn't say God's my, it said, yeah, one sticker said God is my co-pilot. Another one said, angels are on board with me. Something like that. And his name was Alf. And old Alf, she brought that car in the third or fourth time. He said, he said, Preacher, I don't know about you, but somebody needs to tell God and them angels they need to get out of that car with her before she kills them. God just wants to be in charge of your life, plain and simple. He doesn't do that for control. He just does that because He wants to bless you, okay? So right now, I can't do it for you, but I will pray with you. I want you to begin to pray and say, God, I want you to be in charge. I want you to be, I want you to have the wheel. Take it from me now. Take it from me now, Jesus, right now. Father, as I pray, Lord, for every single person that is gathered here today, Lord, I just believe, God, that you are moving and working in our lives, Lord God. We know that you have our best interests at heart. You want everything, Lord God, good for us, Lord God. Lord, we know that you have great plans for us. Those plans are for us to prosper and to be in health. And right now, today, God, we want you to have the wheel. Lord, we want you to have charge. Lord, we don't want to look for a spare tire. We're not looking for a temporary fix. Lord God, we're not looking for just a way to get to the next filling station. But God, we want you to fix us, Lord. We want you to have charge of us, Lord. We want you to just to minister in our lives, Lord God. Right now, I submit everything about me. Lord, inwardly, outwardly, Lord. God, we desire you, Lord Jesus, just to minister, Lord, in our lives, Lord God. Right now, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from me now, Lord God. Lord, just, Lord, just, Lord, just stir my path, Lord God. Lord, guide me in all pathways. 
Make the crooked path straight. Level out the bumps. Level out the humps. Lord God, today I believe, Lord, that You, Lord God, are going to bless me because I'm giving my life over to You. I'm dedicating myself to You. Lord, I want You to be Lord of my life. Ruler. Reigner over my life. Lord, I look to You, Lord, today. Lord, to deliver me, Lord. Yes, I look to You today for my circumstance. But Lord, I want more than that. I want more than that, God. I want You, Lord God, to be in charge. I want You, right now I submit to You the wheel. Lord, right now I submit to You charge. Right now I submit to You, Lord, everything in my life. I want You, Lord God, to use it. To take me, God. And God, sustain me in every way. And God, I relinquish control to You. I relinquish control to You, Lord God. We relinquish control to You, God. Today, minister.